My gracious God, I thank you that you walk with us and you talk with us. That you sent your son Jesus into this world to show us how to live. And Father God, may we look to his example today, living through these holy scriptures. And Father God, talk to us today as only you can talk to us. Lord God, clear our minds and clear our hearts so that your Holy Spirit might move within us, that we can have the courage to follow you wherever you lead us. Give me the words to speak. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now we've come into the end of the sermon series on the book of Ruth is one of the shortest chapters in the Bible. We began with a great message by Pastor Fay and Grace Marie on the story of Naomi. Last week, Trevor and Drew did a great job bringing a message on Ruth. And today I'm charged and Nick's charged with bringing this to an ending. And we all love great endings. And that doesn't mean you should be thinking about the ending of my sermon right now, but uh, we think about endings. Most of our favorite movies have great endings, and the ending of the movie is usually why we remember the movie. Now, one that we would all probably recognize as a wonderful movie, The Wonderful Life, right? A Wonderful Life, where George Bailey, life is spared in the end, and his name is restored. I'm going to date myself here, but... Uh, one of my favorite movies uh, was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Anybody, anybody watch that movie? I know I was uh, intrigued that there could be life out there beyond uh, this uh, planet and this universe that maybe, maybe we think too small sometimes. All Disney movies have great endings, right? And uh, now as a grandfather, I've seen most of them many times. Uh, we had a movie night here Friday night with Moana. Uh, had a great ending to it. I've seen the ending of Frozen so many times, and she does thaw out. It's a great ending. Uh, Tangled, Cinderella, great endings. Well, the book of Ruth has a great ending. The book starts with famine, death, and despair, but ends with abundance, life, and hope. If you've missed the last couple weeks or you're joining us for the first time on live stream, this story begins with a woman named Naomi. Because of a famine, she and her family's family are refugees in Moab. And there in Moab, her husband and two sons die, leaving Naomi poor, widowed, and alone. If you read the text closely, Naomi hears some good news, and that's a key. She hears good news that God has remembered his people in Judah by sending rain and providing relief from a famine so with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, she returns to Bethlehem, poor, a widow, childless, and empty. Now, last week, Drew and Trevor introduced, introduced most of us to a new word, hesed. Hesed is the loving kindness of God, and we see it all throughout the book of Ruth. It is the stubborn, fiercely loyal type of love. It is a love of God that carries us through our trials and tribulations. And there are people here in this room today who've experienced the loving kindness of God in the midst of trials and tribulations. It is the love of God that we, when we can't see God at work, we know that God is working in our midst. 
When Naomi has absolutely nothing, God reveals his loving kindness, reveals his unwavering faithfulness. And when you and I experience those trials and tribulations, and we trust in God's unwavering faithfulness, God is always setting the stage for a great ending. I want you to hear that. God orchestrates great endings. And the greatest ending of all, we celebrate every Easter, he lives. That in the midst of trials and tribulations and crucifixion, humiliation and death, through Jesus Christ, we have the hope of a great ending. God setting the stage for a, a foreigner, a refugee, a Moabite woman to wed a man of Judah and set the stage for the birth of King David. And not just King David, but the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. God loves this world and God works through everyone in this world. But, but Naomi is going to have a great ending because of the great faithfulness of God. I want to pick up the story in verses 13 of um, chapter 4. Boaz married Ruth. She became his wife. Boaz slept with her, and by God's gracious gift, she conceived and had a son. And the town women said to Naomi, Blessed be God, he didn't leave you without family to carry on your life. May this baby grow up to be famous in Israel. He'll make you young again. He'll take care of you in old age. And this daughter-in-law who has brought him into the world loves you so much. Why? She's worth more to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby, held him in her arms, cuddled him, cooing over him, waiting on him hand and foot. And the neighborhood women started calling him Naomi's baby. But his real name is Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Great ending to a great story. Friends, I want to talk to you about great endings. The great endings have subtle beginnings. They require investment, and they always lead to new beginnings. So great endings have subtle beginnings. Think of all the great endings that had small or subtle beginnings. When you think of gravity, what do you think of? An apple? <laughs> An apple that hit Sir Isaac Newton on the head that caused him to ponder, hey, what just happened to me? Think of that big uh, Ford Motor Company that makes all those cars. And those things are totally useless if you don't have a little key. How many of you have lost a key, right? Yeah, man, you know, it just, just that big old vehicle won't move because you lost a key. Now, I don't own a Ford, uh, but what, I was tempted to buy a Ford because they're the only ones that have that little key punch thing. So when you lose your key, you can get back in your vehicle that little key can change the ending. Our story starts with a desperate woman who's in a really dark place, and she does something real simple. She starts to go back home. And some of you, God is calling you to come back home. And Ruth made a simple commitment. I'll go with you. Lord, with your help, I'll go with uh, Naomi. And I, and I love what she said. She said, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. 
Now, biblical scholars believe this was the beginning of Ruth's conversion to faith. So Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem, trusting in God. They have nothing but to trust in God. In order to provide substance and food, Ruth goes out into the fields to glean leftovers. Now, most of us here weren't raised on the farm, but Jewish law requires still to this day landowners to not harvest their crops all the way to the edges of the field or into the corners of their fields. They're not allowed to go back over the harvest field a second time. Why? They are to leave gleanings for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the foreigner, subtle beginnings. It's in a field gleaning that Ruth meets Boaz for the first time. She's in his field, not knowing that he's a relative, a distant relative, a kinsman of Naomi's husband. And God's divine plan is unfolding. Now, Boaz is impressed with Ruth. He's impressed because she is a Moabite woman, a refugee who is taking care of her mother-in-law, loving her and gleaning from his field. But let's be clear, Boaz was also smitten. He, he was attracted to this young woman named Ruth. He, so much that he offers her protection. He offers her provision and makes it clear that she's not to be harmed by any of the workers because of her race, because of her age, and because of her beauty. And what happens in this subtle beginning is a great love story, a love story involving Ruth and Boaz, but also a love story with God and his people, a great ending with a subtle beginning. Mabinti Bangura was born in Sierra Leone in 1995, war-ravaged Sierra Leone. When she was three years old, her father was killed by the rebels. Her mother tried to take care of her, but she grew diseased and starved to death. And little Mabinti was brought to an orphanage. Now, Mabinti had a skin condition known as vitiligo, which causes white blotching of the skin. And so the orphanage people called her the devil's child. And she was one of 27 children in the orphanage. And they called her number 27, the devil's child, because she was the least likely to be adopted. She received very little clothing, no toys, and was starving to death most of the time. But one day, out in the yard of the orphanage, the wind blew a magazine against the fence. Mabenti picked it up and found this picture, a picture of a smiling ballerina. She was so captivated, she ripped the photo out and hid it in the only thing she had, her clothing. Every night, she would take the picture out and look at it. This is what I want to be, she thought. This was her inspiration. This was her hope in the midst of hopelessness. Now, Mabinti had no idea what ballet was. She had no idea what a ballerina was, but she saw a smile on a face of elegance. And she says, that's what I want. 
Later, she said it represented freedom. It represented hope. It represented I ought to try to live a little longer. Now, she's four years old. It was hope that enabled me to survive the abuse, the starvation, the pain, and the danger. It was hope that made me dare to dream. I don't know what you're experiencing today, but the love of God wants to give you hope. And God wants you to dare to dream what your life can become. Great stories have subtle beginnings. You know, sometimes we don't see, we only see the glory of great stories, but we, we don't know the backstory. We admire the success of others, but we do not know all the little steps it took for them to reach the dream they're living. Now, Naomi and Ruth's redemption story had a small, subtle beginning. Mabenti's story began with a picture that blew against a fence. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a believer in God, you're a follower of Jesus. And it took a small, subtle beginning that sparked something in your heart and life. My life is marked by subtle beginnings from a broken home, from a foster home, to discovering the loving kindness of God that changed me, that, that sparked a dream inside of me that God had a plan for my life. You know, it shouldn't surprise us that... Uh, Great endings have subtle beginnings. In fact, the greatest story ever told had a subtle beginning. That Jesus, the Son of God, was born in a manger. That God came to a couple that didn't have a place to stay. And God came to the earth in a little baby. See, great endings happen. I want you to hear this. Great endings happen when people do the right thing, but nobody else will. Great endings happen when people do the right thing when nobody else will. Naomi did the right thing. Ruth did the right thing. Boaz did the right thing. And God did the most righteous thing when he sent his son into the world. And with his help, you and I can do the right thing as well. Now, the right thing is almost always the hardest thing to do. As Katie and will get ready to impart to Indonesia, that's not going to be an easy thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. And I know it's hard on mom and dad over there, but it's the right thing to do. You're confident of that. And our prayers go with you. The right thing is almost always the hardest thing to do, but the smallest acts sometimes, oftentimes, make the biggest impact. I want you to know this morning that great endings require investment. Requires some investment. I want to go back and read for you part of the story of this uh, chapter 4 and how Boaz makes a decision to make an investment. You see, there's this idea that it's introduced of a, uh, a kinsman, redeemer. In verse 3, Boaz then said to his relative, the piece of property that belonged to our relative Imelech is being sold by his widow Naomi who has just returned from the country of Moab, I thought you ought to know about it. See, doing the right thing. I, I think you ought to know about it. Buy it back if you want it. 
You can make it official in the presence of those sitting here before the town elders doing the right thing. You have first redeemer rights. If you don't want it, tell me so, and I'll know where I stand. You're first in line to do this. I'm next after you. He said, I'll buy it. Then Boaz added, you realize, don't you, that when you buy the field from Naomi, you also get Ruth the Moabite, the widow of our dead relative, along with redeemer responsibility. Redeemer responsibility. To have children with her to carry on the family inheritance. Then the relative said, oh, I can't do that. I jeopardize my own family's inheritance. You go ahead and buy it. You can have my rights. I can't do it. Many of us have missed out on great endings for the kingdom of God because of those four words. I can't do it. I want you to do this. Lord, I just, you know me, I just can't do it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I just can't do that. Is there something else, Lord? I can't do it. I can't do it. Now, this idea of kinsman redeemer is about the nearest relative redeeming an inheritance. Evidently, her husband's property, Naomi's husband's property has been mortgaged or sold due to her poverty. And Jewish tradition would have a kinsman go back and buy the property so that the inheritance, the line can be continued. But this first kinsman decides that Naomi is not worth the investment and he declines to redeem and pay restitution for the property. Now, if you read the text here, we don't know his name. His name is not given, so we'll just call him so-and-so. So-and-so said, I can't do it. You know, there's two people in this book of Ruth that we never hear about in Scripture again. They're never mentioned again. Naomi's other daughter-in-law who chose to stay in Moab and so-and-so. For them, Naomi was not worth the investment. I can't do it. I don't want you to become a footnote in history because of those four words. I can't do it. God's going to put opportunities in front of your life this week, this month. Opportunities to help people. Opportunities to step out and do something you've never done before. Opportunities to change somebody's world. To invest in somebody. To get involved with somebody. To help somebody. Will you say, it's not worth it. It's too much trouble. I can't do it. Or will you seize the moment and help someone discover their dream? See, great endings are a result of people doing the right thing when nobody else will. Intervening, getting involved, investing in someone's life. Now, in thinking about investments, which I know very little about, but what I do know is that good investments require some, some conditions. And the first is you need to have a reason to make an investment. Now, Boaz's reason was his compassion for Naomi and his love for Ruth. If you're going to make investments, you better have some resolve to do the right thing. And Boaz has got some resolve. <laughs> I'm willing to take this on. I'm willing to do this. He's fully committed. He's not ashamed of Ruth. 
He's willing to help do whatever. He reminds me of what Jesus said about the kingdom of God in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, in his resolve, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to go buy the field. The kingdom of God is something we fall in love with. Ruth is Boaz's treasure. And if you're going to make investments, you've got to have some resources, right? You've got to have some resources. And Boaz chooses to use his resources to become a redeemer. We are the most blessed community probably in South Carolina. We've been blessed with a lot of resources, and I'm believing that God's calling us to be redeemers, to come alongside people who are broken, who are hurting, who have lost hope, to change their world, to change their lives. Because of his restitution, Naomi and Ruth find redemption, and they become part of a royal family. Now, there's a fourth one that I didn't put in the notes that Lord said to me last night, hey, there's one more, and that is risk. There's a big risk to make an investment. You could lose everything, right? And Boaz is willing to lose everything for this investment for the kingdom of God. Good investments require some risk. And if we're driven by fear of what people are going to think or what's going to cost us, we'll never make a real difference in the kingdom of God. We've got to move past our fears and step out in faith and trust God to make a difference. So let me give you this great truth this morning. Great endings happen when people make great investments that nobody else will make. Great endings happen when people make great investments that nobody else will make. Now, Boaz, this kinsman redeemer here in the book of Ruth, points us to the New Testament, doesn't it? It points us to Jesus Christ, who is our redeemer, who redeems us, who has made restitution for our sins. And he's got, he had a reason. What was his reason? For God so loved the world. For God so loved Jeff. So God so loved Don. For God so loved you that he's willing to send his son into the world. I want you to hear this. You are God's treasure. You are God's treasure. And you're the reason that God sent his son into the world. And certainly Jesus Christ, the son of God, had resolve. He was willing to humble himself and leave the splendors of heaven and come and walk on this planet as a son of God and face humiliation, face crucifixion. He had the resolve to become the savior of the world. He had the resolve to pray this prayer that a lot of us struggle praying. Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. It takes resolve to pray that prayer. And then certainly Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has the resources of the whole creation. That Jesus Christ has the power, the resurrection power, to change your life. Boaz changed the lives of Ruth and Naomi. And when you trust Jesus Christ with your life, he can change you and change the direction, the scope, the purpose of your life. And certainly Jesus risked everything on the cross. 
know, the tragedy is, and Katie talked about it, is there's millions and millions of people in this world that don't know who Jesus Christ is. And he risked his life for those people. There are people here this morning that may not really know who Jesus Christ is. He still risked his life for you. He laid his life down on a cross for you and for those in the world. Now, I'm thankful as I look back on my life that God put some Boazes in my life. My life is where it is today because God put people who made investments in me. They believed in me when I was 14 years old and a new Christian. A pastor who asked me to pray for the first time in a Methodist church and I was scared to death. People all along the way, whether in seminary or in college or in my first appointment in Conway, I'm thankful for a Boaz uh, named Elbert who stood on the front porch of the little church in Conway and says, you need to move. You need to move out of this place. You need to move on because God has got something else for you to do. You need to go to a different place. I'll never forget that conversation. I wouldn't be here today had he not spoken into my life. And many of you here this morning are people that God has put in my life and put in the life of this church as Boaz's. And we are who we are today because we've stepped out and been willing to be a part of redemption. Elaine de Prince is a middle-aged American woman who has adopted nine children from Africa. And she decided to go to Sierra Leone to a little orphanage to adopt a little girl named Mamita. Now, when she got there, there was some confusion because there were two Mamitas in the orphanage, number 26 and number 27. And they were best friends, but they were the least likely to be adopted. In fact, 12 American families had refused Bangura because they were worried that her skin condition would cause her to have issues with self-esteem, or they were scared of that. Not Elaine de Prince. She said she would take both girls. And these two girls who were best friends are now sisters because someone Elaine de Prince was willing to make that investment. You know, it didn't take Mementa long to show her new mama that picture of that ballerina. And Elaine said the first thing that little Mementa did when they got to the motel room was rummage her suitcase looking for a tutu and pointed shoes. Because if anybody is happy, they got to have a tutu and pointed shoes. I thought about wearing one today, but I reconsidered. <laughs> Elaine de Prince said, I told her one day you too will dance. See, my friends, great endings will lead to new beginnings. When Ruth and Naomi decided to do the right thing, God gave them a new beginning. When Boaz decided to get involved, it changed the world. When Jesus made restitution on the cross that led to your redemption, he gave you a new beginning. It was a great ending. I mean, we sing about it. We sang about it a few minutes ago that he, Jesus was, was crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb. The third day he arose, he ascended into heaven, and now he's seated at the right hand of God Almighty. What a great ending. But it's all about giving you a new beginning. It doesn't stop there. 
If you leave here this morning without receiving this incredible ending that Christ has given for you, you'll miss out on an incredible beginning. Beginning. I love what Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. See, some of you are in a wilderness right now, but God is wanting to do a new thing in your life. And streams in the wasteland, you feel like you're in a wasteland? God can bring you out of that. And Paul said it this way, and in Christ, he's given us a fresh start. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, for all this to begin to happen, Ruth heard, or Naomi heard some good news. God was doing a new work. And some of you came here this morning because you've heard that God is doing something good, that God is up to something. And I want to come and see what God is doing. Will and Katie will take that word to Indonesia that God is up to something good and that God is doing something. I've been talking to our men's prayer breakfast that God is up to something big and we want to be a part of, of an awakening. That's good news. And today you get a chance to have a fresh start as a gift from God. He wants to do a new thing in you, but in order for that to happen, you got to trust him. You got to trust that he knows the best way for you to go. It may not be a quick fix, but he'll walk with you through the wasteland. He'll walk with you through the despair. He'll walk with you through the disappointment. He'll be with you in, in, in amazing ways. I have a good friend, and some of you know this friend. He came to me 19 years ago, addicted, in trouble. He didn't know that I already knew his name because in a subtle way, some people had asked me to pray for him, put him on a prayer list. And when he stumbled into my office 19 years ago, the week before Thanksgiving, he was a broken, lost person with no hope, full of despair. As we talked together and I shared with him that God loved him and he knelt down in my office and invited Jesus into his life. It was a subtle beginning. Over the last 19 years, I've watched God pour investment into this man. And I've watched him walk as a believer in Christ, stumbling, struggling, but seeking to honor God with his life. And Friday, he gave me a call and said, hey, just in case you... Uh, wondering, I'm going to be meeting somebody in the parking lot out there because I'm meeting with somebody that's in trouble and they need a new beginning. And I'm going to pray with them and share with them that God loves them and they need a new beginning. So say a prayer for me. If I get in trouble, come help me. People that are lost, facing addiction are like a magnet to him or he's a magnet to them. Why? Because he knows that God can give you a new beginning. Today, you may not recognize the name Mementa Bangura because when her mama adopted her, she gave her a new name. And her new name is Michaela de Prince. And she's no longer number 27. She's the number two ballerina in the world. 
Number two ballerina in the world. No longer the devil's child, but she's God's child. And I love what she said. She said, I want to encourage young people to aspire to dream, to know it's okay to be different, to stand out. And no matter how sad or poor you are, you must believe. You must believe. You must believe. Today, no matter how sad you are, or how poor in spirit you are, how broken you are, you must believe that God has a plan for you. And you know what Michaela de Prince is doing? She's starting a school in Sierra Leone to help other girls in orphanages to discover the dream that they can achieve. You see, great endings always, always have new beginnings. And if God has given you an ending in your life as far as you know, giving you new direction, it's to help others find a new beginning. I believe that God wants to use every one of us, not just Will and Katie, but every one of us to change the world. Now, your world might be here in Lexington. Your world might be here in Columbia. Your world might be in South Carolina. Your world may be in the U.S. Or your world may be in Indonesia. But God has called every one of us to change the world. And one day, we will all stand before God, and God will say, what did you do to change the world? What did you do to help others find a new beginning? See, if we think it's all about us, we haven't received the gospel. The gospel is never just about us. It's always about the world. And what's made this church unique through the years, and I've said this to many, many people, is this church has made, made a decision 24 years ago to not be about us. It's about the world. It's about the people in the community. It's about the people that haven't gotten here yet. When it becomes about us, we've lost our way. Great endings have subtle beginnings. Great endings require an investment. And great endings always lead to new beginnings. Father God, I thank you that you have brought us here today. Someone came here today, whether it's in the auditorium or whether it's here in the sanctuary, because they heard that you were doing something. They heard that there was hope. And Father God, we are testifying that hope is found in Jesus. And Lord God, we lift up the name of Jesus above all other names here today, that Jesus Christ can change our lives, that he can give us hope. He can give us direction. He can help us realize our dreams. And Father God, may you help that person today who's given up, who's let go, and may they trust in you. And Father God, I thank you that your whim blew them in here today. And may your truth guide them out of here. And I ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen.